to the mountains and the sea where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are starting in on a new long series. Oh, it'll be long. (laughs) Yes, Graffiti Bridge. There's death, there's taxes, and there's a long podcast series on Graffiti Bridge. (laughs) We're going to talk about the first eight songs from the soundtrack today lp sides one and two that is that's right that's why you split it up the way you did it is well i had to split it up because i thought it was a little too much for one episode at least for our feeble mind (laughs) my feeble mind i should say you would handle it lovely oh beautifully i until it came time to edit and then i'd be crying in a corner somewhere yeah and we're out of corners for you to cry in in this house I've cried in the mall. There's none left. Yep. <laughs> it was released August 21st, 1990. I was there to pick it up at Musicland. That's right. Music, music, music land. If you remember <laughs> the old commercial. I do not. You do not. I do. I do you do not? <laughs> I could go for a donut oh, right now. Oh, yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. Uh, yes, August 1990, you were saying? Yes. And uh, it mixes... Both Prince and other artists all in one album, which is normal for soundtracks, but not normal for Prince. No, not at all. I remember I tried to find this interview because I remember reading it back in 1990 when this came out, where he talked about how it would be interesting to see how this album performed compared to his other albums, because he called this more of a collection of songs than Mm -hmm. an album, which is, again, soundtrack-wise, I would say that's a good way to describe it. Interesting, because Purple Rain could have been handled this way. Right. Music from the motion picture Purple Rain only included Prince and the Revolution music. You know, (laughs) there was a separate album from the time and... Vanity Six. Yeah, well, Mm -hmm. Apollonia Six. Oh, Apollonia Six, that's right. And, um, you know, wasn't all available, you know, uh, Modern Air by Des and other songs that um, just were never collected together the way this was. So it was mm-hmm. a kind of interesting interesting approach. Mm-hmm. The uh, album itself did pretty all right. Reached number six on both the U.S. Top Pop and Top Black Album charts on billboard i would say helped to a large degree by the success of the batman motion picture soundtrack that Mm -hmm. was wildly popular yep it was was released before this album yes and in other countries it was a top 10 album in austria germany the netherlands norway sweden switzerland the uk australia and new zealand that's interesting because i think if you asked casual music listeners who have been listening to the radio since the 80s Obviously, would know who Prince was. Mm-hmm. Would they be able to name the album Graffiti Bridge? It wouldn't probably be one that they'd name right away. No, I don't think so. Even mm-hmm. though it was fairly successful and had a number of successful singles, some of which mm-hmm. weren't even featuring Prince with lead vocals. Mm-hmm. I also was thinking, I never really thought of it this way, but by the time this album was released, including this album, his previous four records three of which were motion picture soundtrack. Oh. There was Parade from mm-hmm. Under the Cherry Moon, motion picture soundtrack, and then Sign of the Times, Love Sexy, which were not, Batman motion picture soundtrack, and here graffiti music bridge. from the motion picture Graffiti Bridge. 
So three of five albums in a row were huh. motion picture soundtracks. Whether right. I, re- I really had not thought of it that way. Huh. And now I do. And yeah. And you can't make me change. <laughs> Just like Prince says, you can't make me change. <laughs> Maybe we all got to rearrange. That's right. Our brains. Well, and we've done that. Rearrange our brains? Yes. So oh. think of it. That oh, that's way. right. You're right. I'm sorry. My brain is so rearranged, <laughs> I didn't even realize that I had rearranged it. Oh, the album received critical praise at the time. Greg Sandow in Entertainment Weekly called it a masterpiece. And Paul Evans in Rolling Stone said he found the emphasis on funk and rock to be an improvement over the more genre-exploring Around the World in a Day and Love Sexy and Parade. And I'm like, I disagree that it's an improvement. It's definitely different. Oh, wow. But I wouldn't say... Getting into criticisms already. I'm, I'm just not saying that it's... Better. That, yeah, that it's, it's different, yes, yeah. but it's not necessarily better because it was more focused. Hmm. I don't even think it's very focused, if you ask me. I mean, it might be focused real. as far as like a sound, uh-huh. you know, that's a little different than maybe so, but I find it a fairly unfocused... That's why it's a collection of songs and not right. an album. And those felt and more like albums. Yes. And this I mean, is, even Parade felt more like an album. This is almost like a clearinghouse, like starting a new decade in the 90s. And like Prince took a Senecott and had to get this <laughs> stuff out of his system. It was sort of like the first crystal ball, you know? It was like a, you've got all these songs that have been laying around forever, can't stop. New Power Generation, which was laying around for a long time. You know, there's a handful of new songs recorded for this, but a lot are cherry-picked from previous years of recording and sort of put in position mm-hmm. here. I remember, I don't remember if it was, I remember, I don't remember. <laughs> Here's what I recall. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a Rolling Stone article that had Prince on the cover in 1990. It says, Prince speaks, you know, on the cover, like, uh-huh. he never spoke, which is not true. It was either in that article or the review of Graffiti Bridge that Rolling Stone did that uh, talked about the number of genres covered in the first four songs, from Uh rock to a little bit of rap to blues, and how it covered more ground than most entire albums by other artists Uh did. And also, you know, the fact that it was a lot of play acting, you know, this was Prince's playground, so to speak. But the review ended with something like, Prince, one of Pop's greatest actors, comes off as desperately real, which I thought was kind of a, a, well, definitely a giant compliment because um, while he was a talented question mark actor he was he was an actor uh-huh. certainly portraying him his own personality he portrayed right. well to say that an actor comes off as desperately real like there was this urgency behind it and you know that there was a a good character there right um, i thought was a very nice compliment yeah i'm not saying i completely agree but i'm saying that and some of this might come from Rolling Stone kind of being friendly with Prince to a degree. They've this always been true. kind to him. And, you know, he's been on the cover a handful of times and is in their top 100 albums of all time list mm-hmm. multiple times. So there's definitely some Prince fan history yes. at Rolling Stone. So that could have played a part of it. Um, For sure. Anyway, I just remembered that line, you know, mm-hmm. an actor coming off as desperately real seemed very complimentary to me. Yeah. If I were Prince, I would have said, 
you're damn right. <laughs> I am real. And I do speak. And I don't take Seneca either. Uh, despite the positive reviews from critics, the album is believed to have been held back a bit by the poor reception of the movie that it might have done a little better if the movie had been a little better. I would definitely agree. Um, <laughs> and we'll cover the movie soon, but there was definitely yeah. ways to make this better. First of all, kind of weird territory for Prince, who I don't visit the past. I always look forward, and here he is making a sequel to Purple Rain that's sort of a sequel, has some of the same characters, but is not in the same universe even. It's, you know, very soundstage and it's a musical. It's campy, a little bit on purpose. Uh-huh. Um you know, when the, the best thing that I ever read that Prince said about this movie was that Martika saw it four times or five times. <laughs> like, what I mean, Martika had thumbs, I'm sure, for thumbs up and thumbs down, but she's not, you know, Roger Ebert, you know, Gene Siskel. Uh-huh. Martika is not. So, you know, it's basically saying like, well, my, my friend saw it uh-huh. five times. Yeah, that'd be like one of our kids saying, well... We all watched the music video we made, and we loved it. That's right. Or, or our kids saying, well, we listened to Mom and Dad's Prince podcast, and we thought it was really good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Here's your $5. Now go away. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the album artwork. Okay. Okay. So the cover uh, design and some of the illustration was done by Steve Park. Yes. The photography was by Bob McNamara. Who you told me who did the the text illustration? Oh yeah, the lettering is by Margot Chase. Oh yeah, who's a yeah, yeah. renowned designer, uh, New York agency, um, and she passed away in a horrific. Uh, she was a pilot and crashed a plane and passed away yeah. as a result. While her husband looked on. Yeah, how awful. Yeah, we covered that as part of what were we talking I about? I don't remember. Or, I don't remember either. But. Oh, maybe the Paisley Park symbol. Well, maybe so. Yeah. But yeah, the the text is awesome. It's super cool, I yeah. think. The, Custom lettering. It's hand-lettered, and, yeah. but it's real graffiti-like, and you can tell it's not a font because the some of the letters have variations, and at that time, that was not a thing that Yeah, there weren't, there weren't open-type features and typefaces in That's 1990 right. just yet. Sorry. Right. The F's were different. The E's yeah. are different. Um, the T is the early love symbol, right. which is the combination of man and woman. Right. Very fun. The illustration of Prince on the cover where you see like his right, uh, the right side of his face, uh-huh. that's a f- based on a photo from the Love Sexy tour book. Yeah. Okay. Also. Oh, okay. So it was based on a photo taken... Two years plus uh-huh. earlier than this album. I actually wish that that picture of his face was a little less realistic. Oh, almost. you want it to be more emojied out? Memoji? Well, like I look at the other faces on here that are altered. It's like they took a picture and altered it or did a really close illustration okay. of the person. And they just look a little more artistic and a little not artistic a little more drawn a little more interpretive and it was almost like a little too close on the face of prince like it's just a little 
it's a photo that's been altered, but not enough to look like a, a an illustration. Okay. Like the other ones. It's I wish it little, was just a little less oh, realistic. It's a little odd. I think this was kind of, this reminds me of like the first idea for the around the world in a day painting. Okay. Yeah. That this was almost like, it looked like early form artwork that would be developed further, but was not. Yeah, yeah. It's like further. somebody made a collage of these are the kinds of things that I'd like on it: a hand with a world in the palm. Okay, and then look, I haven't seen Graffiti Bridge in probably twenty years, but yeah. I don't recall there being a hand with a globe in it oh. anywhere in this movie. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's yeah. got the whole world. Yeah, I'm familiar world. with the song. Yeah, that's what this is. It's very know, It's about like, angels and God and lots of different yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. I mean, it's fine. It's, I mean, it's very, looks very late 80s. Even I though guess, I know it was 1990, you know yeah. how they kind of, yeah. it takes a little while for, what we think of as the 90s to take hold. That's right. Yeah. It takes a year or two. Uh-huh. This, is, this is getting there fast. Y- yes. I wish I still had it. I know when I bought this, it came in a long box. Yeah. So the artwork was, you know, vertical uh-huh. on the long box. And I'm sure I can find pictures online. But this is a very horizontal collage of images that mm-hmm. wraps around the front to the back of the booklet. Who knows where that thing ended up. Right. Yeah. I think um, I remember Prince saying also that he regretted not having lyrics in the book also that he wished he had included lyrics which there was plenty of space to do for a long movie with 17 songs it's a fairly short booklet yes filled with you know stills from the set Uh um stills promotional photos yeah yeah and the title and the playas yeah (laughs) yes the credits right for all the different songs but i mean it's it's fine oh it's fine i just think if you're like a fan of music then you would wish for a little bit more yeah and i think the final image of the graffiti bridge yeah you know it it looks like a set it, it really does it, it looks totally like a set yeah yeah but they use that same uh hand lettering in a circle on a yellow lettering on a purple wavy background on the cd which is yeah. kind of fun it was one of the more complicated screen printing jobs Mm -hmm. on a Prince CD ever released. There had been, you know, a little bit of fun starting to happen with like the parade motion picture soundtrack, the design of the album kind of translated into one or two colors on the disc itself. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened with love sexy with the letter forms for love sexy being printed on the disc. And then, uh, the Batman motion picture soundtrack took more on the Warner Brothers templated CD screen printing. This mm-hmm. is what they all look like. We're going to print them and be done in black ink. And here with uh, Graffiti Bridge, it's a little more artistic. Mm-hmm. And I think they finally realized that there's not a real benefit to printing the track <laughs> names on the disc itself. Yes. Because the disc would be in the player, uh, which would be... Out of sight uh-huh. while playing. E- even if you can see it while it's playing, it's spinning. It better be, or yeah, exactly. You can't read it. No, you can't. No. You could try. That's right. You could like hang on to your ceiling fan and <laughs> see if you can make it out. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> anyway, it's it's fine. It's fun. Not anything really super negative about it, but not anything mind-blowing 
either. I, don't I think, think that's fair. I would say it's average. There are worse yeah. Prince covers. There are betters. <laughs> that's fair. Yes. There yeah. are betters. 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 Yeah, you did say betters. I wasn't going to say anything. I was just I'm saying it now it since post, I already but... since I already said it, I'll say it again. <laughs> I could use betters in my drink right now. <laughs> Speaking of a drink, I can't stop this feeling I got. You want to talk about some music? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you look surprised. Yeah. Like, oh, we're doing that too? Yeah. We're not done? I didn't think we were done. Yeah, okay. it's just... Very good. Yeah. It was the third single from the album, but only in the Philippines. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Why, yeah. Well, I don't know what it was about this song that made them think, oh, the Philippines needs this one on the radio. It's got an island vibe to it. Uh, there you go. It dates back to the spring of 1982 was re-recorded in June of 1986, offered to and passed on by the 3 o'clock, and then re-recorded again in 1989, and that's what we have here. Right, and the mid-80s recording of it, I think, was widely heard by Prince collectors um, in a, a triplet of songs, Girl of My Dreams, Can't Stop, Weekend Funk, is uh-huh. almost like a one-take combining of those three songs that I had been very familiar with when this came out and was like, oh, I wonder what this is going to be. Is it going to be one of those or something else? And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a complete new approach. Yeah. For better or for worse. That's right. Boy, the kid is still trying to prove himself. Yeah. (laughs) He definitely um, continually positions himself as the underdog, (laughs) doesn't he? I mean, he was clearly... The victor in Purple Rain, and we start here. Uh-huh. Bing's well, back on the bottom. That's right. He's <laughs> got to fight through it. I, I guess this is sort of like Prince's idea of challenging himself musically, is putting himself as the underdog to overcome stuff. And, you know, if you're going to have more stay in another album with you, Prince isn't going to be the villain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Morris, I guess, is going to be the villain. Yep. I thought that it was interesting that the first song from the Purple Rain soundtrack and the first song from Graffiti Bridge both kind of have a monologue of sorts. Oh, yeah. One being a little more famous than the other. Uh-huh. Dearly Beloved versus uh-huh. Your Dad. Yeah. Things didn't turn out quite like I wanted them to. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to explode. Explode, explode, explode. Dear Dad, things didn't turn out quite like I wanted them to. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to explode. (laughs) There's that reverb on his voice when he says, sometimes I feel like I'm going to explode. So obviously his dad survived the suicide attempt from Purple Rain, and uh, but his dad isn't there. Yeah, either. In Graffiti Bridge, either. Yeah. Yeah, so either not alive anymore or just not in the vicinity. Maybe he had writing a letter. Yeah. He had to move to St. Cloud or something. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. Uh, It's pretty rockabilly. Yeah. It made me think of our term funkabilly. Uh When you go back to, I almost pictured Prince going back to some of the 1999 outtakes. Yeah. Which we'll get to here that were revisited and used and kind of adopting that sort of sound. Mm -hmm. The more live-ish kind of sounding drums and a... Yeah, Funkabilly style guitar. Mm-hmm. Almost almost country a little bit. Oh, maybe. But in the. Yeah. Yeah, there's some of that going on. But in on. a pleasant way. Right. Yeah. 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 Country but pleasant is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. 
chorus is just real simple. Can't stop this feeling I got. Ooh, I didn't know we were singing <laughs> songs as part of the podcast. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> just real simple. And it was always known by me as can't stop, not right. can't stop so, this feeling I got. Right. Which I kind of like a little bit better. Yeah, the simpler. Right. Yeah. I want to know what being a real man is about when he says, everybody want to see you down for the count, but that ain't what being a real man's about. Do you have to be a real man to not be knocked out? Oh. Everybody want to see you down for the count, being a real man's about. I don't think I don't so. Know. I think because Prince's whole approach here, he's the softy. He's yeah. the God-loving, angel-seeking peacemaking sexual fanatic mm-hmm. spread love and joy and repetition right everybody he's uh yeah, like everyone wants to see him down for the count who in graffiti bridge wanted to see him down for the count besides like morris day i was just gonna say morris day like, you know, the devil mavis, the devil must be it like mavis staples is his friend yeah george clinton is his buddy Tevin is like his little nephew. Uh huh. He's got lots of friends. He's not a loner. Yeah. He just had to be, he had to feel put upon. That's right. I guess it's, um, you know, him setting up the story to a degree. Uh huh. There's a really special little acoustic guitar in the second chorus. Okay. It's just like a little, little bit. Uh huh. You like that, do you? I do. I like it a lot. When he says the doctors say there's nothing that he can do, I uh-huh. thought, boy. <laughs> you look back at 80s and 90s Prince, he saw a lot of doctors and therapists <laughs> and analysts, uh-huh. if you believe his songs. Yeah, and they couldn't help him a whole lot in he most cases. He was unhelpable. <laughs> You're on right. your own, man. Well, that's because the everlasting light in him transcends both the emotional and the physical. Yes, you have to be a PhD medical doctor and a therapist to be able to really create the right blend of treatment for the kid. Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly. When he sings in a minute and 30 seconds, keep on singing now. Up until zero long ago, I always sang it as the kid gonna sing it now. Oh. I thought he was... Referring to himself before oh. he hit those kind of nice falsetto. Ooh, yeah, ooh. that are so like light and joyful. Yeah. Yes, and which is a great part of the song, and uh, which I enjoy a lot. But I never heard him until I started looking at lyrics online. Keep on singing now is what he says. Oh, not okay. Kid, kid gonna sing, sing now. now. Oh. I love. There's a little aside to the audience. I'm in a butt-kicking mood tonight, y'all. Yeah, oh, that's right. It's very fun. broke the third wall there uh-huh. to a degree. Fourth third? wall? Yeah, it's the fourth How wall. How many walls are there? <laughs> Thir- four. <laughs> like he looked at the camera and winked a little bit there. <laughs> Do you think he would want to, you know, we here in Presentville, where it's October of 2021, we just, quote-unquote, celebrated Columbus Day, and I wonder if Prince would regret... That's like telling, trying to tell Columbus that the world uh-huh. is flat. Try to tell me how to pick my house, everywhere it's at. That's what I'm trying to tell 
almost like lifting up him as a hero to a degree, someone brave, and which I guess to a degree brave or stupid or however you want to view it. But I right. think uh, since 1990, our views of old Christopher Columbus uh-huh. have uh, waned a little bit. Yeah. Evidently, even in like 1500, hating on Christopher Columbus was the thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like oh, I, I yeah. Don't remember that. The, oh, I'm not. Well, that old. I know, but the evidently, soul, but. evidently, the people who uh, you know were responsible for the Spanish Inquisition <laughs> even looked at Christopher Columbus and said, "You've gone too far, man." Uh, okay. Yeah, I think uh, the term "pardon me for uh-huh. fill in the blank," "pardon yeah. me for living." Hey, pardon me for living. Get it in New Power Generation 2, pardon me for blank, is a very late 80s oh, yeah. sort of phrase. Yeah, like, it's a passive insult. Yeah. Like, oh. Pardon me for breathing. Like, right. this is just a thing that I'm supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Pardon me for driving here in uh, my own lane. Yeah, exactly. Like, you are clearly in the wrong. <laughs> it's, it's like the today's version of, per my previous message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You didn't read it, see. dummy. That's right. I could see Prince typing today. <laughs> per my dear dad, per my previous message. <laughs> Can I borrow some of your air? Um, I did think it was kind of a fun play on I when he says, all in favor, say I. Um, and then I, I, I can't stop. And it kind of morphs into, you know, from yes to I. Uh-huh. A-Y-E. Yeah. Right before you get your fourth wall broken with, I'm in a butt-kicking mood tonight, y'all, and watch the language prints, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We do have a parental advisory warning on this, but it is is certainly not for the first song. This is a very family-friendly song. Yes. At uh, two minutes and 45 seconds, there's a musical breakdown, and I hear the first few notes of Purple Rain in there. Oh. Hey, pardon me. First three or four notes of Purple Rain I kind of hear on the acoustic guitar, question mark? Okay. Sort of. Right before he says, hey, pardon me for living. This is my world. You can't make me change. Mm -hmm. Maybe we all got to rearrange our brains. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of bold generation and rearrange from 1999 Super Deluxe mixed in there. Maybe we all got to rearrange. Get a few of those. You can tell what he was like material it, he was pulling from for this. A little surprised that rearranged didn't make it yeah. on this soundtrack somewhere because he refers to it several times. Yeah, he does. There's a little optimism and responsibility. Only we can change the world. Yeah. Only we can change the world. Only we can change the world. Only we can change the world. And I agree. That's nice and great. Um, no, what it just kind of changes from, you know, he's the underdog. They're trying to tell him what to do. And all of a sudden, that's 
maybe we all got to rearrange our brain and only we can change the world. He did do this a lot where he would refer to himself as a plural. So maybe well, that's part of it. Well, his name is Prince. That is the royal we. Oh, okay. I just think, you know, it's either him seeing himself in different ways or when he says we, he's talking about himself and the folks on his payroll at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, an interesting. You know, a fine sentiment. Only we can change the world. That's that's great. And I guess it comes with positive vibes. It could also be, you know, Doctor Doofenshmirtz could deliver <laughs> that same message. <laughs> but that's not what we're doing here. Doctor Doofenshmirtz, he got a bad rap. He was he a good a, guy. He had a good heart. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't a For terrible a villain. dad either. Yeah. For a villain, he was a good guy. Yeah. Well, you could yeah. say the same about Morris. Yeah, uh, it's true. He comes around eventually. Yeah. You know, the unreleased version, like I said, was a triplet of songs. Girl of My Dreams, Can't Stop, We Can Funk. And I really miss it being part of that triplet. Because uh-huh. especially since We Can Funk is here. And Girl of My Dreams ended up on ooh, T.C. Ellis's album. <laughs> you know, we'll get to that. But they're all, they've been kind of split up into three different tracks. And some of the magic is missing from, from it. Yeah, so, so you'd have liked to have seen them remain yeah, together. I would have liked to see them, you know, at least give me Can't Stop and We Can Funk back yeah. to back. Um, but it was not meant to be. And no. who am I to tell Prince what to do? I wouldn't want to be the subject of one of his songs. <laughs> That's fair. Then we have New Power Generation, the second Prince single. Started out as the Bold Generation in 1982, which we talked about in January of 2020. Oh, yes. Uh Because 1999 Super Deluxe came out in November, but it took us until January of 2020 to get to the Uh whatever disc that was that it had its own. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Supposedly, the original drums from Bold Generation, which are played by Morris Day, is in this song somewhere, Uh and I have tried since Bold Generation came out to try to hear it, and I cannot. Cannot. Okay. Don't hear it. Okay. It is stomped on by the funky beats Uh that have been laid down on top of it. (laughs) Okay. Somebody didn't lay down their funky weapon and let Morris's original drum track shine through? Exactly. They were... They were piling on their funky weapon. That's right. So I found it interesting that uh, on Prince Vault, we get credited to Prince for all vocals and instruments. Rosie Gaines for vocal icing. First appearance by Rosie Gaines on a Prince song, by the way. She would become a member of the MPG and a prominent Mm -hmm. part of Diamonds and Pearls. Uh, Morris Day on drums. Levi Caesar Jr. for the distortion samples. And T.C. Ellis goes uncredited. But he's like the second voice you hear. Yeah, y'all, here we go. Pumping the big noise in the 90s. Yeah, y'all, here we go. Pumping the big noise in the 90s. Yeah, a little don't decade mention, reference. Don't mention the decades when you're recording music. That was the thing. I know, but you don't hear, like, the Beatles never were like, yeah, here we are in the 60s. <laughs> We know when your music was recorded. You don't need to lay it out for us. Yeah. But yes, it was a kind of a rapish, rapish kind of inspired thing. Well, and when you do that, you like automatically date a song. It's like that. Uh, there was a 
Something about beans. What is there? Something about beans? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Beans. I'm trying to remember. It was Will I Am and a woman and another guy in a group together. Black Eyed Peas? The Black Eyed Peas. That's what it is. Fergie? Beans. Yeah. Fergie's Beans? <laughs> I don't yes, know. It what it was what... Fergie. I was trying to think of the Black Eyed Peas. And all I oh, could that's think of Beans. <laughs> They're not beans. You put all your Black Eyed Peas records in a pot with a quarter on New Year's Day, and whoever reaches in and gets uh, Ella Funk and the quarter has good luck all year. That's how it works, right? Yeah. They just, uh, I just remember they had a song with it. It's so 2008. You're so 2000 and late. Was that the Black Eyed Peas or was that just Fergie? I don't remember. It I think that matter. might have been just Fergie. No, I don't. It doesn't matter. Okay. I just remember hearing that song in like 2010 and being like, well, now you're so late. 2000 and late. <laughs> anyway. But a recording is this moment in time captured through the magic of recording equipment. Just like we did with T.C. Ellis when he once said, pumping the big noise in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) So here you go, starting off the song with Pardon Me for Living. Uh Pardon pardon me, this is my world too. Pardon me for living, this is my world too. To me, this is more of a more of a creative, you know, and it's a holdover primarily from Bold Generation, but it's more of a Reb- rebellion, song of rebellion, than you know, originally, and compared to what's happened to Can't Stop, it almost was kind of shoved into that. Okay, like I'm gonna make this about my own solidarity and uh-huh. my own choices and how only we can change the world. It seemed more forced somehow in New Power Generation, it seems more natural to me. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, uh, there aren't a ton of Major changes to lyrics. There are some changes. Bold generation. It becomes, we are the new power generation. Yeah, he turned one syllable bold into many, which is, I found, admirable. Yes. We are the new power generation. We want to change the world. And in bold generation, we got Ain't No Time for Politics. We right. never fight no war. And then it kind of comes, or less political, more right. lighthearted and unionizing. Yeah, lay down your funky weapon, come join us on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, let's dance. Yeah, let's it's more party. of a battle of the band stakes rather than yeah. life and death stakes. Well, you just define Graffiti Bridge. There you go. It's a battle of the band stakes. It's a hundred minute battle of the bands, music theater, music video almost. Uh, yes. Right? Um, I love that Prince is in his early 30s here, but he's still playing the part of quote unquote the kid uh-huh. talking about other people's old fashioned music, your old ideas, and being sick and tired of you telling us what to do. That's not usually something you hear from someone in their 30s, right? It's more of a 20s. Uh-huh. Kind of thing where you've heard it for almost 10 years. <laughs> <You're> 60 year olds. 
there could have been a lot under Prince's hair during this time <laughs> period. Um, but he used it for um, sitting underneath and thinking. Pardon me for thinking. There's something under my hair. Pardon me for thinking. There's something under my hair. I bet you thought the lights were on, but no one's living there. I bet you thought the lights were on, but no one's living there. Yeah, like you looked at him and thought he was just a bimbo. Uh-huh. A mimbo. A mimbo. A prince bow. Uh, is that like a purple necktie? Oh, a prince bow? Maybe so. <laughs> Yeah, I thought, okay. Yeah. That's cool. I have something important to say, is what he's saying. Yeah, that's fine. We're listening, Prince. Keep going. Go right ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, At a minute and 50 seconds, there are these whip sound effects. Yeah, it's kind of a carnival time in this song. Like, right before that and with those whips. Yeah. It's like carnival time. Carnival time, yes. Also, maybe like he had these sound effects from the Batman motion picture soundtrack <laughs> recording sessions that went unused and they were sort of peppered in here to a degree. He does like his sound effects. That's for sure. He does. And he likes to revisit them. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. I do think that there is no funkier run of nose that I know of than the nose that he runs off at two minutes and 11 seconds when he says... Pardon us for caring. We didn't know it was against the rules. Shout it out. If we only want to love another, then tell me now who's the fool. We stand. With no father, no mother, no sister, no brother, nobody can make me stop. It's kind of a fun listen to him chant the word no uh-huh. at the right spot in there and that's my favorite part to sing along no. with with new power generation so if you see me walking with headphones on and uh-huh. you're going no 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 okay. it's not a bad dream that i'm okay. trying to wake up from <laughs> on your walk right yeah i'm not sleepwalking <laughs> yep kind of an early appearance of love one another which would uh-huh. morph into love for one another yes we get another instance of rearrange At three minutes and six seconds, where he mentions it. And Rosie Gaines sings it also in her signature sound. Mm -hmm. You got to rearrange. She's very got a powerful, I don't know, authoritative kind of voice. You got to rearrange. She was kind of looking for the new Bonnie Boyer from Sign of the Times and the Love Sexy Band. And Mm -hmm. he definitely found it in Rosie Gaines. Yep. We get some hand claps that feel very collaborative mm-hmm. and fun. Yep. And then there's this guitar, like, right at the end. I'm like... Yeah, please. Yeah, where? Why, why are you fading out? Yeah. Well, why, what's going on? Yeah, I agree completely. And I have a note here to ask Christy. And my question is, do you feel like the fade-out ramp for the first two songs is kind of unusually short or too sharp? Like they fade out almost too quickly Uh, to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they fade out too soon in the song because I think definitely with this song, it is like it's 
however long, three minutes and some odd seconds, which mm-hmm. is relatively short. But I mean, the time it takes for the song to fade out is too fast. Oh, it is fast. I think it's almost closer to a proper end when you have a quick fade out. Hmm. Until you get to track 17 and realize, yeah. oh, it's going to fade back in and keep going. Right. I just, that's my thinking when I heard this. I'm like, maybe it, it's sort of like a musical soundtrack approach. Okay. To have songs that kind of do that. And uh, it's almost like a mixtape kind of feel. Okay. Now, these songs don't overlap until you get to the next track. Right. Release it almost overlaps with the fade out from New Power Generation. But right. I just, it always strikes me that it feels like the production on the end of these songs is like someone just dialed it down almost a little too quickly. Oh. I thought it was fine. It didn't not bother that, me not that much. that I'm a fan of the fade out anyway. Right. I know this will come as a shock to you. <laughs> well, we... Christy, if you think I'm afraid of you, <laughs> Christy, gotta... if you dream I came to jerk around, <laughs> you better wake up. And release it. Release me. <laughs> this is written by Prince and Levi Caesar Jr. It was planned for the 1989 Time album that ended up being abandoned. Yes, named Corporate World. We will get to that also during this time period. It's part of the many things that will make this graffiti bridge more like the Golden Gate Bridge. (laughs) By the time we get to the end of this bridge, we're going to have to go back to the beginning to start painting it and refreshing the graffiti (laughs) like they do with the Golden Gate Bridge all the time. Yeah. I love that um, this is credited to the time in uh, the booklet, I wondered. While Christy looks that up, I will entertain you. Performed by the time. Okay, so it is credited to the time. Uh, saxophone by Candy Dolfer. Yeah, which saxophone and the time is not something that had ever really happened before. Uh, Candy Dolfer made her first appearance during, uh, what, Batman motion picture soundtrack mm-hmm. time? I think so. So it's almost like the illusion of the time being the studio band is sort of... They don't, they're not even trying to hide it here, almost, because it's Morris Day with co-lead vocals and Prince gets credit for basically every other instrument except for the saxophone mm-hmm. and the drums, which are not credited to anyone correctly. Right. Did you read about that? Oh, the drum line is a sample of a Tower of Power song named Squib Cakes. Oh, Cool. goes uncredited somehow and was never a legal issue but prince sampled the beginning of the song it happens uh very close to the beginning of the song and it's actually sped up a little bit and that's the basis of the drums for release it which is another head scratcher for me because you have Two guys in the studio in Prince uh-huh. and Morris Day, who are excellent drummers. Yeah. Even by Prince's own Prince's own admission, Morris Day is like underappreciated as a drummer. Right. And instead of playing the drums, they sample it from a <laughs> instrumental Tower of Power song. And don't and credit don't it. Don't credit it. Yeah. So hmm. I don't know how that how that uh, got by. I don't know. He's Prince. 
Uh, Stella and Grace are Morris Day speak for generic ladies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladies who are objects, jokingly yeah. objects. I'll give him credit for that. As yeah. misogynistic as Morris Day comes off, it is always presented in uh, kind of a character, playful kind of thing, not mm-hmm. a completely serious right. thing. Yes. Right. And Grace is the name of a B-side by yep. the time also the yep. side of 7779311 that's right or as Siri likes to call it 7779311 311 <laughs> <laughs> is not what you call when you need to report a pothole oh a pothole i'm uh-huh. sorry i thought you said powell like, what is that i need to call that number and ask what it's used for <laughs> 311 that or like if you're digging around a cable or something uh-huh. yeah. yeah i d- don't think stella was a uh mistake or uh or coincidence i think it was a streetcar named desire reference probably oh do you yeah i do because i know prince loved his old movies yeah and i think he chose stella because of that movie interesting we talked about that during sign of the time super deluxe mm-hmm. also the mention of blanche uh-huh and yeah. stella in our home stella has many meanings that's right we are seinfeld fans so uh-huh Julia Louis Dreyfus going Stella, uh-huh. and then we have a lamp in our bedroom as part of HomeKit named Stella. <laughs> you asked me, "What do you want to name this lamp?" And I said, "Stella." Okay. <laughs> you tell the virtual assistant to turn on Stella, and it happens. That's right. So uh, we could have named her something like uh, "Yo Stella." If you think I'm afraid of you, <laughs> Yo, I might. I might have to try that. <laughs> This is a kind of a unique sound for Morris Day at the time. I mean, I think he's kind of turned into a sort of, I don't want to say wannabe, but he's fallen into the hip-hop genre and kind of relying on his history, you know, and maybe it's because he wants to try something else, but it's not the kind of stuff that I would listen to. And there was some song that came out last year, finer than Santa Claus or something that was, (laughs) I don't know. He performed on Jimmy Fallon and I was like, Oh, that was like during quarantine, Uh right? He had a unimpressed. It was like he was walking through a little maze of mirrors and had one or two busty ladies with him. And Uh he was there in his loungewear. Uh And it was like, Zero effort whatsoever. Procuring the mirrors was the most effort. Uh-huh, that yeah, because they didn't even hide the cords for the <laughs> microphones and stuff. R- yeah. yeah, they just like danced on top of them. Yeah. Anyway, it's fine. fine. Whatever. But here, you know, we know Morris from Cool and seven 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 ninety three one one. And here on and Jungle Love. Or he's a good singer. Yeah. I think he's got a great voice. Oh, yeah. And here he is basically speak rapping throughout this mm-hmm. entire song. And he does it really well. He I does. He does do it fun. really well. Yeah. And it's... Okay, so the time is supposed to be the opponent band. And Prince. it's very clearly Prince singing yes. Release It. Yes. Not only that, but uh, yeah, going, Lisa, that, but also answering the questions that Morris poses. Uh Whose crib is this? My crib. That's Uh Prince. Yeah. Whose wine are you drinking? Mine. Uh Whose crib is this? My crib. Whose wine are you drinking? 
I think that like, who Stella is this? My Stella, that's Jerome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is Jerome. But Prince does answer a lot of those, and he most certainly is the one that is singing, Release uh-huh. However, yes. he also sang background on basically every time track that was uh-huh. released, too. So it's sort also of the true. same approach, just... I don't know. Like I said, the the gig the gig is up. Right. We know what's going on. There's a fun little reference to what time it is. Yeah. A little sly. Who asked your ugly ass what time it was? <laughs> I know that was really funny. Yeah, I do like his definition of who he is. Me? No, I'm not a man. Jerome. <laughs> Jerome says he's an adventure. I love that. <laughs> I, love, I think it's so fun. Oh, Stella, I know you came alone. Cause ain't just any man qualified to take you home Me? No, I'm not a man, Jerome He's an adventure Oh, somebody slap me I don't know Party people in the crib get hype Party people in the crib get hype Release it Yes It's even Prince singing Yeah In the background falsetto When Morris says Party people in the crib get hyped <laughs> Yeah We do get a little moment uh, That's so very The Morris character Mary, sweet mother Jesus. Yes. And uh, then Jerome following it up with F that talk, Morris. <laughs> he doesn't like Bible talk. <laughs> I think this is the first time we've heard Morris Day referred to as MD. If you think that I'm afraid of you, mm-hmm. do it, MD. If you think that I'm afraid of you, do it, MD. If you think that I'm afraid of you. I think it's very fun how at the end. Like, you can tell it's like some sort of performance. And Morris thinks of himself most important because forget the band on stage. They're going to sneak out. Yeah. Man, let them drums kick. Let's get the hell out of here. Man, let them drums kick. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's do it. Like, he's going to sneak out the back while they're, yeah. the band's still playing. That's right. He's going to leave them to, you know, load out. Right, load out. I don't think Morris ever helped with the moving of equipment. <laughs> well, not at this time, no. but <laughs> maybe early on. Ten he couldn't years even prior. like hang out while they did it. Nope. No. Yeah. No. 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 Can't do that. Mm. I also think like see the end of Play in the Sunshine. Prince and Susanna are talking about let's get out of here while the song ends. Let's get out of here. Here, Morris is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Let's get the hell out of here. Get your ass out my way. I just, I have Shades of Prince riding his motorcycle by Morris and Purple Rain and, <laughs> Purple Rain and pushing him over. He shoves him into trash. Uh-huh. And, yeah. Uh, Morris gets up and yells a very inappropriate insult at him. Uh-huh. You long haired. <laughs> The rivalry continues. I That's thought this. Right. I thought this song is uh, a lot of fun. It would it have been a fun, fun single too. Um, it would have been a fun single. Yeah, I guess uh, you know of all the songs released, uh, the time got a song in Shake, but they also have their own album, right? Pandemonium that right. we will also get to as part of the super long Graffiti Bridge <laughs> podcast series. Yeah. Then we have the question of you. It started as an instrumental in December of 1985 during the Paisley Jam and Eric Leeds called this part 12 Keys. Yeah, he had named all the tracks in that instrumental session. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, a lot of those songs have uh, surfaced in soundboard quality, um, high colonic, etc. Yeah, uh, songs that were recorded or considered for an album by The Flesh. Yeah. Which is going to be a, kind of another side project like Madhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of the songs from that session was You Gotta Shake Something, which sort of morphed into Shake, uh-huh. which we'll cover later on this album. Very cool. Yep, it was added to in 1986 and 1987, and this is an edit of the original completed version. It was about a minute longer. Yeah, I guess maybe for space on this album. I would guess so. Uh, One of the shortest Prince songs lyrically, Mm -hmm. unless you count his instrumentals. Right. They don't get much shorter than this. No, I really don't. I didn't realize it. I was like, are there lyrics missing? From this site for this song? And then I kind of realized, oh, I know there's just, I didn't realize it was that short lyrically. That's right. It's the posing of a handful of questions. Uh Uh-huh. To a higher being. Yeah. And then you repeated. Yes. And hand claps. And guitar solos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of times this, well, I mean, on purpose, it gets construed for Prince singing to a... Lover. A lover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's really him singing to God. Right. Which I think is pretty clear. Yeah. But it was very 80s to suggest that someone might sell their soul to achieve success. Yeah. If I sell my soul, now what will it cost? Right. If I sell my soul, now what will it cost? Very satanic panic in the late yeah. 80s, carrying over into the 90s. Right. Very prominent at that time. Yep. Although I will say, I thought that was an awkward line. Which way do I turn when I'm feeling lost if I sell my soul? Now, what will it cost? Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it rhymes with lost. But if you're selling something, it's it's not about cost right it's really about the price that you're asking it costs someone else oh, to buy your no. soul to buy an uh, an object well yes but it, he would get something in return but what is the actual cost of that to him he's going to lose his soul that has a cost to it even if okay. somebody pays you for it what is the true cost of losing that item it's like okay. if you have to replace something Yes. You know, you've sold something and then you have to replace it. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Or opportunity cost. The right. fact that you chose to do one thing and you lost the opportunity for something else. I just mm-hmm. didn't think it got to that type of economics level <laughs> with uh, with Prince. Mm-hmm. But you, I can see it being seen that way. Yeah. Sure. It yeah. didn't bother me at all. Yeah. Must I become naked? No image at all? Must I become naked? No. That seems very like smart songwriting to me, like uh, no image at all. Use of the word image there Mm -hmm. I thought was kind of nice and interesting. And it was a little bit of a clue as to the name of the tour that would follow this being Uh nude. Right. It was more about being stripped down and Mm -hmm. simplified. Right. I thought that when he sings... All of the questions in my life will be answered when I decide which road to choose. The word answered, when you start listening to it and focus on it, uh, it's kind of this quick answer uh-huh. that's an odd 
delivery. Okay. And makes it hard to understand. Like, I didn't realize that that was even what was being said there until uh-huh. I looked up lyrics long ago. Yeah. if a little naive that all of your questions will be answered well just like once you pick the right road then all of the answers to all of the questions will just fall in place oh no i'm sorry young prince that's not how this works yeah or maybe you don't have answers but you accept the fact that you don't know the answers now Mm -hmm. and that's part of the acceptance of life sure Sure, if he can talk a... economics, I can talk uh, <laughs> decision making. Yeah. Right. You know, so you get, I don't know, there's like 10 lines here, 10, I mean, 11 like, questions. Yeah. And it goes on like a minute and 20 seconds, and you're done with the lyrics. That's right. And then you get kind of an extended guitar, keyboard, hand clap. Uh huh. You solo vamping. Yeah. Yeah. You and hey yeah. and. Yeah. So I thought the most exciting part of this song, at least when I think back to hearing it initially, is that it was a bit of a new direction in ballads by Prince. Okay. I think back and hearing When Two Are In Love from Love Sexy and then Scandalous from the Batman soundtrack that Prince's ballads in the late 80s were kind of getting long in the tooth. They sounded real similar to one okay. another to me. And this was, even though it's not a seduction type, so it has the sound right. of a seduction yes. ballad, but um, it's really not when you pay attention to the words a little bit, but it just has a different sound mm-hmm. you know, than um, what we were kind of falling into a groove with, with mm-hmm. those ballads. Yeah. And um, there's like a sitar part at two minutes and 58 seconds that uh-huh. uh, almost sounds Maite influenced, but obviously this predates her by quite a bit, but it almost made me think, you know, the whole Egyptian vibe that was going on wasn't just her. He had flirted with that sound before Mm -hmm. yeah that with the flutes is kind of a real mystical feeling really magical sort of middle eastern feel yeah yeah i agree yeah then we have elephants and flowers recorded on a very short break in the love sexy tour in october of 1988 no cool i hadn't read I guess yeah. I did read that part because I copied it into my notes and realized <laughs> that it was during a love sexy break uh, between shows in Canada and the U.S. Uh-huh. That's cool. It was like a short break. It wasn't even long, like a weekend or something like that. Like Very short. Yep. So this was known to be considered for the original Rave into the Joy Fantastic mm-hmm. album, the 1988 version, not mm-hmm. the one that came out in 19... 19- uh, but then held back for and kind of resurfaced. So this is sort of the again the clearinghouse of mm-hmm. Prince's favorite tunes from right. this time period, or tunes that he felt fit the graffiti bridge theme yes. and song. Yeah, um, and sort of has a similar introduction than uh, or when compared to the question of you. Although this isn't a flute, but it's definitely kind of this heavenly. Mm-hmm. Elefante kind of, <laughs> kind Harry, of Harry Elefante. Harry Elefante. That's right. Uh-huh. 
I was thinking back to try to see if I could come up with another song that was released before this in which Prince uses this kind of gravelly, sleepy voice. Okay. And I I can't really think of one. I'm sure I'm probably overlooking something, but it made me think of his voice from now. Okay. It's sort of used here for the first time. And it's oh, not like this cool. is a rap. It's a it's definitely a sung uh-huh. song. It's just a little raw. Uh-huh. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds almost painfully sung. Uh-huh. Boy, loneliness sends somebody out of their house. They're lonely. They're looking for action or a fight. Is it love or fight? I'll either one. That will work. I just need some. I hey, need some human connection. Listen, those summers in Minnesota can get burning hot and can make you do crazy things. So <laughs> when you're lonely on a burning hot summer night, that's you just want to get out of the house and fight someone or love someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like go get some ice cream. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking for a savior in a city full of fools. Looking for a savior in a city full of fools. Maybe he dressed me. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like he was looking for not the savior or a savior with an S. He's not, this boy is not necessarily looking for the God above. Yeah. But he's looking for something to worship, whether it be someone to love or someone to argue with. Argue with, but whatever it is, or is a become savior, the... uh, maybe uh, just like deliverance from something. Yeah. Somebody save me from this heat. I need air conditioning from the good God above. That's right. I like how he says, talking. Maybe he just needs a good talker to give him a good talking to. <laughs> Maybe he just needs a good talker to give him a good talking to. That's nice. That seems like the kind of line that Mavis Staples would deliver as Uh Melody Cool. Yeah. Because she do get paid for counseling, she says. Um, And here there's more of uh, naked kind of talk. Strip down, Mm -hmm. strip down. Strip down. Yeah, I think I'm going to fall in love tonight, elephants and flowers. And I kind of liked how that's a a duality of the sexual and the spiritual. Like yep. you strip down, you take off your clothes, but it can also be to... Bury your soul. Yeah, bury your soul or pull down the uh, the lens that somebody else has put in front of your ideas so that you can see it yourself. Yeah, all of your truths are exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that first Elephants and Flowers, there's a nice falsetto by Prince in the right channel at 59 seconds. Elephants and Flowers And then there's Ooze in the right channel. Not O-O-Z-E, but O-O. <laughs> O O O H S in the right channel before the next verse that I think are fun to listen to, easy to overlook. Hot sweating light paints a picture red and gold. Yeah, he goes to a, a club. 
in yeah. search of something, and it's a crowd of naked bodies, but really wants is a shy angel. On a crowd of naked bodies, sit down to the bare soul. How can it find a shy angel in a city so bold? You want like a literal angel from God who's not going to appear in a den of iniquity, or does he just want a sweet and peaceful lover? He's open to any possibility. Yes, I think. exactly. But he does yell new power in the background uh, after that stripped down to their very souls line, which uh-huh. is. Uh, We've heard New Power before was in Love Sexy, even in the booklet for Love Sexy mm-hmm. makes a resurface here. So it's kind of interesting to think it was recorded during the Love Sexy tour, still following those uh-huh. themes. Yeah. And he says he can't even find a place to dance like it's so crowded. Right. This is rock and roll, Prince says. Strip down, strip down. Strip down. Does this sound like rock and roll to you? No. I don't think Not so. Not really, either. but okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I agree. Okay. It is not. Yeah. I like the chorus a lot. Yeah. It becomes very explicit that this is about God. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Not explicit in a. No, not in a vulgar R-rated way. Thing. No, um, but in a there will be peace for those who love God a lot. that this was about him looking for a lover. Right. It could be construed that way, but is really about him looking for a relationship with the creator. Let me be abundantly clear, says uh-huh. Prince. Yes. Um, I just find it fun to sing along with. I yeah. think that it's a nice chorus, well-written. Um, like you said, the duality of that's represented with elephants and flowers. The song is not about either of those things, obviously. Right. It's not, you know. Well, it's the Dumbo God. is lonely on a very hot summer night. <laughs> no. A burning hot summer night. <laughs> it's more about uh, everything big and small. Yeah. From the all, all opposite sides of the spectrum. Right. Is related to God in some way. As in the question of you, he talks about how... Uh, Fear and confusion will cease if he can just make the right choice. That's almost, that is another graffiti bridge thing. It's like left or right and you uh-huh. know, a fork in the road and... Are there really angels, or are they just in our mind? Yeah, but it's there's a very clear, correct choice that there's there's only two choices, and one of them is completely right, and one of them is completely wrong. It's the that's why a lot of Prince's outfits were black and white. Yeah, because right wrong is very clear cut. This yeah. is a very binary film. 
for sure. And that, I mean, and that makes sense, but it also speaks to me that, you know, Prince grew up seventh day Adventist and I transitioned to Jehovah's witness probably wasn't really all that big of a leap for him because they have similar sorts of very strict, very black and white sort of theology. And it seems to me, I mean, I guess I know that that's an easier, more clear cut way to write a song. This way's right. This way's wrong. Instead of talking, you know, there's a thousand shades of gray in the middle. You know, you have the, you have the, uh, absolutely correct path and the absolutely incorrect path. Yeah, writing songs about uh, the nuances of uh-huh. those decisions would be, um, I don't know, maybe not something you could do in a four-minute song. I think you could. I just don't think Prince ever did, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At two minutes and 50 seconds, I call them bing-bong keyboards. <laughs> There's like... Bing bong. Like this sudden keyboard sound and building. Oh, whoa, here we go. Okay. Um, that are fun to go back and give a second listen to. Very cool. And if you weren't sure that this was about God a lot, even though he already told us explicitly so in the chorus, uh, there that little acapella yeah. gospel-y bit. Is... There will be peace for those who love God a lot. Yeah. There will be peace for those who love God a lot. It's going to drive that point home. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There's a nice little instrumental guitar kind of part behind that, too, the mm-hmm. which kind of makes the basis of the song. If you go back and listen to how he performed it, uh, for piano and microphone, and he did it with uh, Third Eye Girl. Uh-huh. Um, that little part right there is sort of the is turned into the basic part of the song. It starts that way, do 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 do, and it's played over and over again uh, to kind of build the song up. Just kind of fun. Yeah. I also found this was another fast fade out to me. Um, short song mm-hmm. and a short fade out again yeah then we have round and round performed by tevin campbell the second single from the album and appeared on uh, campbell's 1991 album t-e-v-i-n a different mix of it did yes yeah yes this mix was done by junior vasquez right in the spring or summer of 1990 and that's what ended up included on the album prince liked it so well yeah Yes, there is an unreleased version of this song that actually sounds an awful lot like Elephants and Flowers. It has that same kind of... If you listen to the original version before this remix happened, that was the vibe of it from the beginning. These real heavy drums and keyboards um, that is very, very different in the album version. Okay. Tevin was just 13 at the time of the recording. I wrote that down too. And he's... Yeah, and he's quoted as saying about Prince... He's more fun to work with than anybody. And he later confessed that he wanted Prince to produce his first album, but it just didn't work out. When you're 13, you don't get to call all the shots, Tevin. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you've been tapped to work on a song for Prince's next movie. Yeah, it sounds real good. 
Yeah. Sounds like a great opportunity. Uh Uh-huh. Well, and it was, because I remember hearing this on the radio a lot. I do, too. Yeah. Um, Well, it reached number three on the R&B chart and number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 Mm -hmm. in uh, the early part of 1991. Yep. He has a very nice voice, but in this song, you can definitely tell it's a kid voice. It is prepubescent, for sure. Yeah. From the very beginning, the... It sounds like he's about to spell something, but it doesn't go quite right. Uh-huh. I hear R E yeah yeah yeah. Like he was going to spell round and round, but it went off the rails pretty quickly. <laughs> I forgot how to spell round. <laughs> Let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah, and he did play a shot. You know, it was a young right. phenom in the in the movie, so it right. wasn't like positioned weirdly no no but it's just it's very cute yeah it was meant to be cute yes and 100 percent prince on background vocals yes yeah as it was in the original version of the song right yeah uh another reference to the brain in a similar way that we've already heard is the truth really there or is it under our hair? Right. Right under our hair. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah, we heard that in uh, talking about the brain and thoughts as being something under your hair in new power generation. Right. And in bold generation, but... Yeah. No, you're right. I hadn't made yeah. that connection. That's true. Also, another song full of questions, you know? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me where we're going to? Can you tell me what it is we really want to find? Is the truth really there? Or is it right under our hair? Questions continue. Yep. I do enjoy the chorus on this also, the way it's sung. Um, I think that's kind of the most memorable part of the song and what people would remember about this who were listening to the radio in 1990. Mm-hmm. For sure. We We go round and round and round, and what we're looking for still isn't found. Like, the earth is spinning, but just because you're moving that way doesn't mean you can be stagnant and still find what you're looking for, I think. Yeah, Yeah. or uh, we keep going around the same issues over and over again. History keeps repeating itself. Right, you actually have to do something. You can't just ride the earth in circles. Yeah. Yeah. I learned my lesson young. (laughs) I was like, that's like when you have a young teen. I remember when both of our kids did this, where they were 11 or 12, and they, oh, when I was a kid, I loved Uh XYZ thing. And I'm like, when you were a kid, (laughs) you're 11. Hold the phone. (laughs) So I just, I found that very amusing. Yeah. Yeah. He's supposed to be a well-weathered 13-year-old. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, how many 13-year-olds do you know that are walking around saying, no, nothing comes from dreamers but dreams? Uh-huh, right. That just has more of a, you like to say this about films, not just musical films, but, you know, suspend your disbelief. Yes. Like, this isn't what any 13-year-old boy would sing. Well, uh, no. okay, well, yeah. but it's a musical, you know, they wouldn't also break into song and right. start 
you know, having conversation with choruses and rhyming schemes that had to be planned out earlier. That's right. Yes, like in his little rap where he's looking for a pretty girl, and I just thought it was really funny. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. One day I'll make it in the big city. And I'll be looking for a girl who's pretty. One day I'll make a play. Say okay, because I plan to be a cool kitty. Yeah, he plans to be a cool kitty. Yes. Yeah, I thought this was all it was appropriate for Tevin, who was, like you said, very young at the time. Uh-huh. And um, when you compare this with him singing Shh, uh-huh. which is a little more on the creepy side as a young teenage boy, man, male. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and I think if you didn't know that this was a remix, you probably would figure it out when, you know, you hear him say, get, 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 get to it. Uh-huh. Go for it. Get to it. It's yeah. a little uh, Max Hedrumy again. Yeah. And then uh, Tevin sings Round and Round We Go. And just the way he delivers that at three and a half minutes mm-hmm. is very, very Prince. You can no. definitely tell yeah, that he was, he was following was, a direction. He, yes, direction or a vocal guide that he'd heard. Yeah. And we get a proper end. Yes, we do, but only for a remix. Oh, really? Well, I mean, this is not the original Prince recording. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, essentially could have been a remix right. on, of a single from the album. But yeah, it does, you know, end with the round and round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's the first song that gets a proper ending, but it's also not the way Prince recorded it. <laughs> then we have Weekend Funk, Prince and George Clinton. That's right. Another December jam produced this the music for this, but it was 1983 this time. Yeah. It started uh, with a more colorful title than funk. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. With every letter being the same, but the letter N. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in studio records, because it had such a colorful name, was referred to as the Dawn and Moral Majority when right. I worked on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was considered too raunchy. That's right. Yeah, and that original version was released um, back in 2017 on uh, the From the Vault disc for Purple Rain Deluxe Edition. Okay. Not super deluxe. Right. Just we deluxe. That yet. We haven't. Yeah. Yeah. It was also offered to the three o'clock. Right. Yeah, and an acoustic version. Was recorded with Andy Allo in 2011 for We Can Love. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be talking about those also. That's right. And then the uh, kind of triplet version that I mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. um, has a horn line that's reused in this song too. Although when We Can Expletive came out on Purple Rain Deluxe. Uh-huh. I was very surprised to hear how similar it was to this version. Okay. Uh, not, it's almost like the version from the mid-80s that is recorded in that triplet 
sequence with Girl of My Dreams and Can't Stop mm-hmm. was sort of the outlier, even though it was the song that everyone seemed to know. All Prince fans who collected bootlegs anyway seemed to know at the time. And this version with George Clinton seemed like, oh, he's totally reworked this, when in reality it was actually much more similar to the original, original uh-huh. Weekend Blank. Uh-huh, right. Uh, evidently, George Clinton loved the movie. He loved working on it, loved the movie. He said the dynamic between Prince and Morris Day in real life wasn't terribly dissimilar from the movie. Uh, I mean, great. Yeah. I'm glad he liked it and enjoyed it. It's a little like saying, you know, Martika saw it four times. (laughs) George Clinton liked it. Uh (laughs) Well, yeah, but no... Prince used Martika seeing it four times as justification for it, and George Clinton just came out with his own experience. It was fun. Yeah, well. He got to spend time on a set with Prince and Morris Day, and he had a good time. Sure. He was also kind of financially rescued by Prince at the time, too. was signed to Paisley Park, had a multi-album deal there, so, I mean, it's not like he was going to come out and say... Yeah. This was a terrible experience. And <laughs> Prince doesn't know what he's doing. It was really fun to be there. The movie is awful. Right. He's not going to come out and say that. No. Of course not. No, no. Man, you better be paying attention because uh, otherwise, funk sounds vulgar. <laughs> Well, it's a little like Erotic City. Yep. Um, in For that sure. regard, you know, very yep. much on purpose that the word is kind of swallowed in a way to uh-huh. make you question are they saying uh-huh. funk or are they saying. Uh huh. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Ma- Mom. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can you come listen to this? Well, our youngest kid said that. I can't believe that this song is playing on the home pods. I'm like, they're saying funk. And. Oh, oh, was that in reaction that, that to was this a, song? No, in Erotic City. Oh. Yeah, it came on like in the shuffle Yeah, on the speakers at home and like a little shocked. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. And then I've heard Erotic City bleeped. Yeah. Played on a radio station and bleeped. I'm like. They're playing it safe. They don't, don't want know. the FCC fine. I guess not. Why bother? Just don't play it. Well. I mean. <laughs> Play something else. There's plenty other great Prince tunes that if you're worried about the FCC, fine, play something else. But This definitely gets the George Clinton P-Funk uh, background singers, yeah. uh, the female singers for the beginning here, the whole, and the whole tested positive for the funk, uh, I'll pee in uh, anybody's cup. George Clinton would have tested positive for. No, the funk would be probably the that. one part of the spectrum. Uh-huh. Which is funny because, you know, it was only, what, during the recording sessions for what would become Sign of the Times that Prince didn't want to have the word pee-pee in starfish <laughs> and pee-pee. Uh-huh. But here it is, you know, it's basically kind of the foundation of a George Clinton song was yeah. um, built around that and it's worked into, it's layered on top of <laughs> Uh, Prince's version of this song. Yeah. Pee in your cup talk. Yeah, whatever. And I also think there's a little bit going on here to kind of disguise George Clinton as Prince also when the those first lines are delivered. I could tell you stories till you get tired. I could play with your mind. 
Uh-huh. But you probably say that I was a liar, so I won't waste your time. I think it sounds like Prince. Okay. But I'm pretty sure it's George Clinton. Yeah, I think it's George Clinton, too. I could tell you stories to you. You know the Karma Sutra? I could rewrite it with half as many words. And I'm wondering why brevity is important. Are there words in the Kama Sutra? I wanted to look that up actually, or is it oh. more of a picture book? I thought that was the <laughs> I thought that was the humor there. No, that... no. <laughs> it's actually not a picture book, and it's actually not just a sex book. Okay, it's more about focused on living well and having emotionally fulfilling relationships. It is a fairly long text, twelve hundred and fifty verses, broken okay. up into seven books, I believe. Okay, yeah. But I guess maybe Prince was only interested in the sex stuff part of it. It is illustrated in its original. It is illustrated? Yeah, in its original form. But there are verses, and it's not just a sex book. Okay. Well, it shows you how enlightened of a person I am. I went and looked it up. Okay. I was like, why would he want the Karma Sutra to be half as long. Is it Karma Sutra? No, no, I've been no. Kama Sutra it is my whole the life. Ka- it is Tell the me ka- I'm not wrong. No, I said it incorrectly. Okay. It's the Kama Sutra. All right. Yeah. All right. It's like, you know, you're gonna get what you're coming to you in the form of <laughs> section, sex and emotionally fulfilling relationships. <laughs> she does use sex as a weapon. That's some Karma Sutra right there. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Kama Sutra, it's like you're when, correct. When karma shows up to take you to the prom, <laughs> that's what it wears. A karma Sutra. Uh, I bet you might post some links to the Kama Sutra uh-huh. on social media. Sure. Where could we find sure. that, Christy? <laughs> sure. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T M A T S podcast. Or you can. F- Send us an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com. That didn't seem forced at all. I think I worked that in pretty Yeah, well. I think you did a great job. Thank you very much. Yeah. I don't think of Prince guitar solos when I think of Week and Funk, but um, you got to revisit this at 2 minutes and 41 seconds. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice Prince yow at 2 minutes and 50 seconds, too. Yes. Very, very fun. Yeah. So this is odd wording to me and always has been. You know, the Prince seduction sequence starts at about three minutes and 17 seconds and runs through five minutes and 18 seconds. So uh-huh. you get a solid two minutes of Prince going off. Uh-huh. You can blow the candle off, baby. Yeah. You can turn the candle on. You can blow the candle off, baby. He's not talking about a birthday candle. I understand that. (laughs) Or, you know, the menorah. Uh Uh-huh. But even so, would you not say you can blow the candle out, baby? No, that's the whole point, is that you're going to blow the candle off because it's like a penis. Blow it off. Hmm. Okay. Like, get off, but... (laughs) 
it off. Blow it off. Yeah. See, to me, blow it off is like, don't pay attention to it. No. I mean, like... Now, I see this erect penis here, but I'm just going <laughs> to blow it off and pretend <laughs> like it's not there. Well, I mean, that might be your preference. But... <laughs> not that kind of show. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think it was just, uh, like, instead okay. of blow the candle out, you're going gotcha. to... Make the candle a jacket or something. I've heard like suck it off. Yeah. I don't know that I've heard blow it off before. Like, are you going to like put him in a wind tunnel so that the <laughs> penis and testicles fly off the human body? <laughs> That's what it would say if penises could talk. <laughs> then they'd land and they'd be like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, so is an electric ass another way of saying a wonderful ass, do you think? I do believe so, yeah. yes, I exactly. I'm surprised that he didn't change it to wonderful ass. Yep. I think that would be a cool self-referential uh-huh. Prince Meta kind of thing. Yep. Um, and before that, you know, I've always kind of thought, I'm not sure about... Uh, sex between two people is all right if all the love in the world is what they got. Maybe. Okay. Right. Um, but then he says, as long as they're not trying to hurt nobody, just as long as it's hot. Almost saying that as long as they're not trying to use sex as a weapon. Uh huh. No, I'm being serious now. Like, I'm not trying to get back at a partner or a spouse by doing this. Um, I think is what he's ranting on about here for two minutes. Agree. Okay. And he mentions his gold chain. It won't be the first time we hear it on this album. No, see this gold chain around my waist. Yeah. And we saw him wearing a gold chain, literally, in the Sign of the Times concert film. That's right. He had one around his waist. Yep. In the Rolling Stone story with him on the cover, mm-hmm. he's got the same style pants with the cutouts on the hips. Uh-huh. And it's a close-up a... with a gold chain mm-hmm. around his hip. And he uh, makes references to the same gold chain in Tick, Tick, Bang, yep, that's... Hot With You, and you Guitar. just gave it away. Yeah. Tick, tick, bang he, all, yeah. bang, he also mentions. Yep. The gold chain around his waist. Mm-hmm. Um, when he sings, you can funk me, baby. I'll funk you. We can funk one another, whatever you want to do. heard it because we weren't doing this podcast at the time um but the original version of the song that came out on purple rain deluxe replaced funk with the word that you're thinking of Uh uh-huh and uh i think there's just been a lot of discussion about the sincerity of how he delivers these lines with the real word Uh the f blank 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 Uh word yes 
um, and how like exposed he sounds when he says this. So it'll be interesting to look at that. We will uh-huh. probably cover that as part of this series. Oh, okay, great. Um, since we're here now, yeah. Very fun. And then it kind of merges oh. with oh. joy in our petition. Okay. Kind of merges is a good description to me yeah. because it is a masterclass in ruining uh-huh. a segue. Yeah, to for me sure. Because yes. it's, you know, you're jamming out, you're, don't know why you're funking over there, funking uh-huh. over here, ain't true. And this weird, like, it just abruptly ends. Yep. Prince starts speaking, and it all just seems to happen too quickly to it's me. It's too and quickly, it's and the butchered. chatter the chatter is too loud. Though the chatter is the same as what was used in Alphabet Street, evidently. Yeah. It's yeah. the same, uh, my name's Andre Cram Jones. Uh-huh. Yep. holes in a golf course. And actually, the version, that party noise used before Alphabet Street coming out of I Know was what was used between the ball and join repetition okay. when it was originally recorded, okay. which is interesting because the ball kind of was the foundation of I know. Huh. And so that transition <laughs> lived on on Love Sexy, and here we are two albums later, uh-huh. and get the same transition with party noise and people talking from an album two years earlier that was kind of repurposed from even two years prior to that. Boy, it's a snake eating its tail in it. It goes round and round. Uh, you there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that was the biggest complaint here. Um, that Not that Join Repetition found a home on this album, because it's arguably one of Prince's greatest songs, uh-huh. but uh, just so butchered um, yeah. between these two songs. I would have very much liked a cleaner yeah. start. Especially if you just call up Join Repetition and start playing it. Yeah. Man, it sounds like a mess at it first. Is, it is a mess. Yeah. He talks about how dignified they are and they're they're cursing, they're cussing. Ah. The four letter words are seldom heard with such dignity and bite. Right. Four letter words are seldom heard with such dignity and bite. It's like, oh, dignified cussing. That's right. There we go. When he sings, all the poets and the part-time singers always hang inside. All the S's in that line have this swirly, weird sound to them that huh. uh, has always kind of made me think, oh, is this like recording issue? And it's only in that one spot that you can hear it, but poets and part-time singers, and it's got this kind of fluttery huh. sound in the S's that always kind of... I don't know. Stuck in my crawl a little bit. Oh, okay. All the poets and the part-time singers always hang inside. But there's live music that the band is playing. Yep, soul psychedelics. Live music from a band plays a song called Soul Psychedelicide. Yeah, and it's kind of cool that that obviously is the name of a different song, and um, uh huh, that was unreleased for until twenty twenty. Correct. Yeah, and even the and that was just a rehearsal, right? Soul Psychedelicide that was released on Sign of the Time Super Deluxe Edition, and it was to use Prince's terms a year long, and had been playing for months <laughs> uh-huh. when he walked into the place. Yeah, twelve minutes and thirty seven seconds. Uh, is the year-long version that came out. There are studio versions, uh, some that feature George Clinton, mm-hmm. that I think we'll kind of pepper in as this topic for the podcast progresses. Very cool. 
It's such good storytelling in the fact that I've known this song for ages. Yeah. And I know what the two words are yeah. in this story song. But you're still like, but I'm anticipating. S- I'm still like, tell me, tell me what yeah. they are. Tell me what uh, words she's saying. Come on, Uncle P. Let's uh-huh. hear it. <laughs> These two words a little behind the beat. Just enough to turn you on. Which is sort of the way Prince himself is singing this song. These two words, a little bit behind the beat. I mean, just enough to turn you on. I love when the snare comes in at a minute and 27 seconds after that. He says, for every time she said the words, and that's when the snare drum starts. Another one of his doubts were gone. For every time she said the words, another one of his doubts were gone. Just a fun part of of the song. Yeah. I love it. It's such an intimate moment in a public performance mm-hmm. no one else was watching her she didn't seem to care yes. no one else was watching her she didn't seem to care so all and all she said the words till he could take no more it's yeah. like uh this to me is almost like movie like you know yeah. you're seeing this guy walk into a club and there's this beautiful woman on stage singing and uh-huh. the two of them make a connection and there's a spotlight on stage and it suddenly just becomes the two of them in the room and you could see it being a very uh-huh. romantic and you right. know, uh, faded kind of introduction to one another. Yeah, where people laughing and having drinks and talking and yeah. they fade away. Right, mm-hmm. and all that's left is... The two of them. The two of them. Yes. Yeah. If you... Listen at a minute and 51 seconds to Prince and Susanna's ooze in the background on the line when he says he dragged her from the stage and together they ran through the back door. Uh There's some fun background singing there that are both uh, Prince and Susanna, who of course were dating at the time and living together. Right. He dragged her from the stage together they ran through the back door. Very Prince to uh, have this fated love, mm-hmm. but uh, he didn't even know her name. Correct. Yeah. In the alley over by the curb, he said, tell me what's your name? It seems very, the well, kind of like love at first sight, romantic, lust, sexual attraction, must do something about it, but it's going to be a lifelong connection. He can already tell. Sort of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Which unfortunately never really happened to him in real life. But, no. But um, he fantasized about it and wrote a lot of songs about it. He sure so. did. And it's especially entertaining in that, you know, he talks about joy and repetition being that's one partner brings yeah. such deep joy. Right. But they literally just met. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And how would he know about love and... Uh-huh. How to love someone, right? If he hadn't done it before, mm-hmm. and then we finally learn what she was saying, just a little behind the beat, at two minutes and forty six seconds. Uh-huh. Love me. Yeah. She said, "Love me, love me." What you say? She says. The way he says me sounds very, like he's almost got a little bit of a cold. Oh. <laughs> Love me. I, I think of uh, 
Courtney Cox you know, <laughs> when she's got a cold on Friends and tells uh-huh. Shannon, "Find love me, yeah, <laughs> find if fine has a D at the end, yeah. then you're not fine. There's joy in repetition." <laughs> <laughs> Great guitar solo that starts oh. in the left channel with Prince's Come yeah. On and Love Me Baby chants it's, in the right channel at the right at three minutes. It is breathtaking. Baby. It's breathtaking, yet it's still kind of buried. Like, yeah. this was Prince's thing with his guitar solos in the 80s. It was just kind of... It's there. It's not like you can't hear it, but it is stepped on by other pieces, and here it is in just one channel too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, um, you know, one of the more epic Prince guitar solos recorded in a studio. But you don't think of, you know, I never see Prince fans talking about, well, you know, one of the greatest guitar solos. Join repetition. Uh-huh. What? There's like blues guitar in there. No, 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 there's no. a epic, beautiful, breathtaking, yeah. astounding guitar solo. In yep. Um, and at three minutes and 30 seconds, the guitar solo starts panning channels left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quick enough to bother you, I don't no. think. Um, yeah, so I'll also say this about the guitar, so- guitar solo that you know, I think it's generally considered to be one of Prince's greatest songs and has a great guitar solo in it. The more I listen to it, thinking about this podcast, um, I would argue, go back, listen to it from the beginning, and pay more attention to the drumming here, the build-up, the storytelling, where the song takes off with the snare drums, other percussion that's happening, uh, and high and low notes, so to speak. Um, Prince would become an even greater guitar player, you know, later on in his career, but he would never be better storyteller than he was at this period uh-huh. and the drums and the drum playing in this you gotta remember it's all of this is just him yeah and Susanna providing background vocals and to me the drums themselves tell the story as much mm-hmm. as the the lyrics do yeah that's super fair um and then you know at the end there's more lyrics but they're kind of buried yeah but in a really enjoyable way, it's sort of reinforcing that repetition is joyful. It adds to the ambiance of it all. It's very, you're not really supposed to be able to sing along with those lyrics, but just understand that the repetition is the joy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it um, is very complete from start to finish mm-hmm. from, I mean, there's no missed notes here. It's certainly musically or lyrically mm-hmm. or missteps. Yeah. It's sort of this perfect, perfect song. Yeah. Which is even more of a shame that it, the beginning of it is kind of butchered and it couldn't have been handled a little bit better. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll just enjoy that. It's spectacular in a lot of ways, even if it's not perfect. Sure. Yeah. We'll take it. Yeah. A lot of Prince recordings weren't perfect, but this one is, it was nearly perfect until they butchered it for placement on this record. Mm -hmm. All right. That's all we're going to talk about today. That was the first half of the album. I think that's enough for today. Are you sure? Yep. Except for the things that we need to pick 
every episode, we okay. choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. We choose a C, the low point, and we choose a mountain, the high point. These are my rules, so I go first. The time capsule, for me, it was round and round because it absolutely got the most radio play when I was a kid. Yeah, from from this uh, portion of the album, I would definitely agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. It certainly got more radio play than my time capsule, which is New Power Generation, because uh it was uh, the first use of the term, the definition of what that generation supposedly stood for uh-huh. and then we'd hear new power generation moving forward as you know his eventual band name and then it would resurface over and over even as the band members changed and the overall sound changed uh npg would be you know become the replacement for paisley park Records. so yeah uh new power generation is sort of the staying time capsule for me okay excellent the c the low point gosh i get that when you have the movie, you probably fade out songs. Uh-huh. Give me a proper end on the album. I know there were songs out there with proper ends somewhere. Give me that. I don't want all these fade outs. You all know, these fade outs is my C. Wow. You know, I feel like some of my uh, my bitching has rubbed off on you. <laughs> I've always preferred a proper end. Yeah. To a studio to, recording. Yes. Yeah. I'm with you. That's not how music works. No. I mean, it is because that's what they've done in right. studio recordings. But, you know, you sit down to play a song, it does end. Yes. Uh, it doesn't, like, go on for return. Plus, it fades out and you're like, what am I missing? Wait a minute. Uh-huh. That guitar solo is still going. Oh, wait. Yeah. Come back. Come back. <laughs> I feel like Rose and Titanic <laughs> with my whistle. For me, the C was round and round. Oh, okay. I mean, I liked Tevin singing, and I like Prince's background singing, and I even like Junior Vasquez and some of his mixes. He did a lot of them for Prince um, during the early 90s, but uh-huh. this mix, to me, just stands out like a sore thumb on the album. It sounds kind of out of place to me, even okay. in a collection of musical styles and artists that make up kind of Prince's Motown that he was forming at this time period and I feel like it just kind of meanders and I mean I don't want to be a jerk but it goes round and round and never goes anywhere else what I'm looking for still isn't found Kevin (laughs) Uh, it just kind of hits a single note to me there's nothing dynamic and it's not even really all that fun okay uh, I mean, the, the, the most fun part is looking at screenshots of Tevin and his cute little suit and uh-huh. dancing around. He was a cute little kid. He was. Yeah. All right. And the mountain. Joy and repetition, because there's so much joy in listening to the song over and over. It's uh-huh. so good. The closer you listen, the more you enjoy it. The fact that you can hang on the story when you, even if it's a song you're super familiar with. I, I love it. It's so great. I cannot blame you at all, and that was going to be my selection too. And I just thought um, I gotta challenge myself a little bit because that ain't what being a real man's about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so while "Joy and Repetition" is inarguably one of Prince's best songs, 
and that found a home on this album, um, obviously. But the song that I revisit the most out of all of these, especially listening to it again for the first time in a while preparing for this podcast, was Elephants and Flowers. I just kept going back to it, and I wish it had been played more live. Um, or even if it had been a single from the album, I would have loved to have heard different mixes of it. And I just love the gravelly voice. The vocal approach to it is unique. Um, and like no fear of what happened to Prince's voice. You know, uh-huh. which I could see a lot of people saying. And I love the little instrumental breakdown part at the end. You know, there will be peace for those who love God a lot and God a lot and the little thing at the at the end. It's just kind of a neat. There aren't that many neat moments musically on the first half of the album. Okay. Um, and that was one little bite that um, kind of took me. Very cool. Yeah. Great. So no uh, surprises here. Next time we'll do the second half of the album, tracks 9 through 17, Mm -hmm. LP sides 3 and 4. Excellent. Super looking forward to it. If you're looking forward to it as well, please tell a friend and ask them to listen with you because it's more fun when you listen with a friend. And until next time, happy purple listening, friends. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bless you. Take that, audio podcast listener. <laughs> <laughs>